We return to our study in John's Gospel this morning. John chapter 10, would you go there with me? Some of you who have been reading along with us, and I hope that if if you're not journaling this passage, I know that I've been encouraging you to, to get a notebook or a sheet of paper and just to write out these verses ahead of time. Some of you are doing that. I think that's a great thing, a great encouragement. It's it's encouraged me. I hope it's encouraged you. Some of you aren't aren't writing them out, but you're reading the passage. That's good, too. That's really important. I hope you're doing that. Something Farrell said this morning, right before you prayed, and, and you talked about that quote. And I think, Chris, you said it uh, to this morning when when uh, Jesus went to heaven. He left the door open. Maybe you didn't realize, but that's a really uh, helpful image that we're going to see this morning in the text before us that Jesus says, I'll just give you a little, I'll, I'll give it away a little bit. Jesus says, I am the door in the text that we're looking at this morning. Um, there, there are also these glimpses of heaven that you talked about, Pharaoh, when you prayed, these glimpses of heaven. We saw them this morning when we studied in Revelation in, in the Sunday School Hour where we've been talking about what true worship is. And we do have just these little slices, these little glimpses of what heaven really is like. He did draw the curtains back, and he did, did show us, in a way, in Revelation. And it's our responsibility to live as as God's children in a way that where we can show people what God's Word says and, and to live in a way where they see the testimony of what God word, God's Word says is true and, and is living in us and through us as we become obedient to God's Word. And so this morning as we come to John chapter 10, we're going to get another little glimpse of who Jesus is and what He has accomplished and what He has done on our behalf and how we ought to truly Yield to Him and honor Him with our worship and praise and obedience. And so in John chapter 10, I want you to follow along as I read the first 10 verses where John writes what Jesus said. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." And verse 6 says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now as we come to chapter 10 in these first 10 verses, this sermon of Jesus in John 10 comes shortly after the confrontation with the Pharisees at the end of chapter 9, you may remember that if you've been with us during our studies here in John's Gospel, you know about this confrontation that Jesus had with the Pharisees and that, that right at the end of chapter 9, and it leads into this, this sermon. 
back in chapter 9, you might recall, Jesus had healed the man born blind, right? The man born without sight, had never had his sight, and Jesus miraculously gave him his sight. But after the man had been given his sight, the Pharisees come along and, and they want to do an investigation, right? And in the course of the investigation, they want him to deny, they want him to change his story, that it really wasn't Jesus who healed him. But in the course of this, they finally pitch him, throw him, expel him from the synagogue, which was a very serious thing in, in his day. Removing him from the social life, the spiritual life, the, the ability for him to do business in the community threw him out of the synagogue. And they de-synagogued him is really what it means. But then this beautiful picture we saw last time where Jesus went and looked for this man. He went and found him after he'd been expelled from the synagogue. And we saw this Wonderful exchange between the man and Jesus last week where Jesus made himself known to the man. And, and as a result, the man did what? He, as he listened to Jesus and realized who he was, he believed in him and immediately worshiped him. And we said last time, that is the, that's the proper response for those of us who, who see Christ for who he is. The natural tendency, the natural response ought to be one of praise and worship when we recognize Jesus for who he is. And back in chapter 9, along with the healing of the man blind from birth, Jesus had used the imagery of, of sight and the imagery of blindness to, to illustrate the seeing and the, and the non-seeing, the seeing and the blind spiritually. Now here in chapter 10, he, he comes along with this sermon and he changes the analogy from, from sight and blindness to something different, something very familiar to the people of his day. He changes the analogy to that of a sheep and his, uh, the sheep and, and their shepherd. And so we see that happening in verse 10, or chapter 10 in these first 10 verses. Uh, and if you're a Bible reader, and I hope you are, you're a Bible reader, right? I hope you read God's Word. And you'll know that as we come to John 10, this is a very familiar picture of sheep and a shepherd to, to the Bible language, right? Bible language is full of this kind of terminology and thinking. We see sheep and shepherd terminology throughout the Bible. It's a familiar one in the passages uh, that, that are often a favorite to us. You think of Psalm 23, right? What do you think of? The Lord is my what? He's my shepherd. So this imagery is familiar to us if you're a Bible reader, but it's not too common to us in our culture, right? But for the people in Jesus' day, the sheep and shepherd imagery was a very common thing to the culture in which they live. These days we're not really familiar with shepherding sheep, and we... What we know, if you're like me, you've learned from the Discovery Channel, right? You've gone, wow, that's really cool. Look at those dogs and how they, you know, chase the sheep around. I wish I could do that with my kids or as a pastor, my church, right? The, the, the biblical imagery is different. And the, and the account that Jesus gives is different from what we're familiar with when it comes to shepherding of sheep. But the people in Jesus' day understood what he was talking about when he talked about sheep and shepherd. A shepherd leads, a shepherd guides, a shepherd cares for the sheep and guards the sheep. So this was a fitting illustration to those listening to Jesus that day. What they would have been very familiar with was that there was also a sheepfold. And when the shepherd cared for the sheep at night, he would put them in a sheepfold. And the sheepfold was often made up of an area surrounded with a wall, a high enough wall to keep out uh, natural predators 
and to hopefully keep out thieves and robbers, right? But it would be made up of a, of a wall of rocks or stones that surrounded an area, and they would herd the sheep in and lead the sheep into the sheepfold at night for safekeeping. It's with that in mind, Jesus says in verse 1, look at it, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door. There was one entrance to a sheepfold. It was the doorway. It wasn't over the wall. It wasn't around the wall because you had to go through the doorway. There, were, there was only one. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So it's pretty clear, right? You enter the sheepfold by some other way than the door. What are you? You're a bad guy. You're a thief. You're a robber, right? That'll get you labeled a thief, a criminal. What, what was also known to Jesus' listeners is that often several herds of sheep would be placed in, a, in one large communal sheepfold at night. Sometimes in communities that were large enough, there would be a sheepfold that was, that was large enough to, in, uh, to hold several herds of sheep in the evening. And, and the shepherds would come one by one with their herds of sheep and, and lead them in to the sheepfold, this large communal sheepfold. And, and they, they would often go together and hire a common doorkeeper, one who would be the doorkeeper. That doorkeeper would actually lay in the entrance to the sheepfold and actually keep the sheep in and keep predators out and keep thieves and robbers out. So if you went in or out, you had to go over the shepherd or the, or the one who was being paid to be the doorkeeper. You had to go over his body. And Jesus says, look at it in verses 2 and 3, He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. There's the gatekeeper, the one who's keeping the, the sheepfold secure. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So in the morning what would happen is the shepherd would come along and, and the, the gatekeeper would see the shepherd coming and would recognize that, yeah, that's one of the shepherds, and he'd stand back and let him into the sheepfold, and, and the shepherd would go and gather up his sheep. But you might be thinking, well, how in the world did the, how in the world did the shepherd get his own sheep out of all those sheep if there were several herds of sheep in this one fold? How'd they get it, get their own sheep? And how'd they leave without taking someone else's? How'd they, you know, keep from leaving their own behind and how they keep from taking someone else's sheep. Well, in those days, the shepherd knew their own sheep. In fact, and we see it here, they actually knew their sheep by name. They would have a, have a name for each of their sheep and would call them by name and the, the sheep would recognize their names as the shepherd called them out and, and they would also recognize the shepherd's voice. Now, you know this, you know how this works. Some of you who have dogs, right? Even some of you have cats can do this. I don't know. Cats don't seem that intelligent to me. But, but sorry, the cat, the cat. Well, I hear a lot of I, I had a lot of cat lovers here, right? <laughs> right. I knew I'd get you going on that one. Now you're listening. Now, now you're listening. You got you got a dog, right? What happens when you when your dog hears your voice? Ears, right? For some of you, your cats are that smart, right? And the cat comes running when they hear you. The dog comes running when they hear you. You you say your dog's name. What happens? The dog obeys, right? The dog comes, or your dog should obey, right? That's that's what happened with the sheep. The sheep weren't that smart, but they were smart enough to recognize the shepherd's voice. And when the shepherd started speaking, the sheep would go, "That's my shepherd," right? And go, "We're going to him." 
And not only did the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice, but the shepherd knew the sheep by name and would call them. If he saw one that wasn't paying attention, he'd call her name. Let's go. We're leaving. Follow me. Just like your dog or cat knows your voice, right? The shepherd, the shepherd was known to the sheep. The shepherd would be recognized by the sheep. They'd hear the shepherd's voice and they'd follow their shepherd. In fact, in those days, the shepherd would do something different from, from what we're familiar with, with shepherding. You know, if you're like me and you learned all about shepherding from the Discovery Channel or the Animal Planet or whatever it is, and you know that, that we, we think, well, we've got these sheep dogs who herd the sheep. Well, they didn't do that in Bible times. They led the sheep. The shepherd walked in front of the sheep and led the sheep. Led them wherever they were to go. Led them to safety. Led them from harm. Led them to provision, food and water. Verse 4 says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. You see it? So the shepherd leads the sheep. And Jesus is telling this story about the, the shepherd and the sheep. And the people are going, yeah, yeah, you're right. I've seen that happen. Even if they didn't have sheep of their own. Like, yeah, that's right. We, we know that. The sheep follow him. They follow the sheep, follow their shepherd. And they know his voice. Now, Jesus' day, as the shepherd would come along, he didn't drive the sheep. He didn't herd them so much. He led them. He'd call out to his sheep. He'd call them by name, and they would follow the sound of his voice. And so as the shepherd entered the sheepfold and called out to his sheep, they they would recognize, they would hear, and, and they would follow. And they'd gather around their shepherd. And the sheep, we see it here in the Scriptures, the sheep would not be led astray by some other shepherd. There could be several shepherds gathering their sheep in the sheepfold, and the, and the, the proper sheep would follow their shepherd. The same is true for someone who might climb over the wall. The robber, the thief, climbs over the wall and says, Come with me. Tell you what, the sheep hear a, a strange voice. What do they do? The Bible tells us in, in Jesus' account here, they scatter. And that's what happens. The sheep will not be drawn away by some other shepherd. They will not be drawn away by some thief. And verse 5 illustrates very clearly that, that another shepherd's voice or a thief's voice would have the exact opposite effect. It would drive the sheep away. And the real shepherd would only enter by the door, of course. But even if the imposter snuck over the wall, or somehow even snuck through the door, the sheep wouldn't follow. They would scatter. Now look at verse 5. Stranger, they will not follow. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And Jesus gives this account, and he recounts these things that people were familiar with. And and as I'm telling those kinds of things, and those who those of you who are who are Bible readers, and you're hearing me recount what it is for a shepherd and sheep and the relationship, you're thinking, maybe you are, I'm guessing most of you are probably thinking, in relationship to Jesus Christ, these Bible terms, these ideas of, of biblical truth connected with this illustration of Jesus, the, the, the shepherd, the, you know, the good shepherd, and we're going to see it later in this passage next time. But as you hear me recount this story that Jesus told, you're connecting biblical truth with what he's saying. Are you? You thinking about how Jesus leads us, right? 
And we're going to see here, we read it already, but we're going to read it again. He doesn't harm us. He has our good in mind. He provides for us. He guides us. He knows us by name. He knows us in particular as individuals. And and those who are Christ know Christ and know him and will not be led astray by the thief or the robber, right? You're thinking in these biblical terms, most likely. But the people then didn't. They weren't thinking in biblical terms as Jesus told the story. Verse 6, John tells us that Jesus said all of this by way of illustration, and they didn't get it. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, you have an advantage, right? You have the, the Bible. I hope you have your own copy of God's Word with you today, and I hope you read it. You hear preaching about the truths of Scripture, and you understand the the terminology, you understand the imagery connected with the shepherd and the sheep, just as we noted as we entered this passage this morning. But they weren't thinking that way. They certainly understood the, the imagery. They understood the illustration because they knew about sheep and shepherding. But it's obvious here the, the people didn't get the biblical truth, the spiritual truth that, that Jesus was teaching them. It's obvious to us here as as we hold God's word in our hands that this is a biblical truth that Jesus is using an earthly example to illustrate. But the people who heard it didn't get it. They didn't understand. They certainly understood the illustration of the sheep and the shepherd, but what they didn't understand was the spiritual application of the illustration. You ever do that when you come to God's Word? And we still do that. We still do that, don't we? Sometimes out of duty, we'll say, well, time to read my Bible today. We open the Bible, and we read a passage we've read before. We go, okay, I read my, read my chapter, or I read my two chapters, or whatever. And you don't really stop and think about the spiritual truth that Jesus is teaching in his word, do you? We're prone to do that. We need to be careful that that's not us. Remember, Jesus had just been in exchange with the Pharisees, and they had thrown the beggar out of the synagogue. And the Pharisees were some of these Get this, the Pharisees were some of these false shepherds of whom Jesus was speaking. You realize there's still false shepherds today that we need to guard ourselves from and we need to be guarded from? That's why every once in a while, I try not to do this too much because there are, there are examples that abound, but every once in a while when there's something that's really big profile that I think you know a lot of people are going to hear about this, we need to say that is not true. That person is not teaching the truth and we'll name people by name. But not very often because we need to know the, the word. And if you know the word, you will recognize a false shepherd when he starts speaking because he's not speaking the truth of the scriptures. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He says there are, there are false shepherds. There are people who appear to be shepherds, but they are not. They are false shepherds. They are thieves and robbers, and the Pharisees were some of those thieves and robbers that, that Jesus was talking about. They had come along and distorted the truth and had remade the truth for their own gain, often their own financial gain. So when this poor man points to, and just get this, this is incredible to me, and the poor man, the poor man who was blind, who now has a sight, remember back in John 9, he tells the Pharisees, you know what's amazing to me is that I was blind and now I see and you don't see it. You don't see the miracle that that man did. That's what's incredible to me. This poor man knew Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, right? But these people didn't. The Pharisees didn't and others like them. These religious 
Jewish religious leaders, these Pharisees will have nothing to do with this man. They expel him from the synagogue. So the Pharisees are some of these imposters, these imposter shepherds that Jesus talks about. And Jesus is what? Jesus is the true shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And the true shepherd does what? He reaches out to the sheep. We saw it illustrated in chapter 9. Jesus went and found this one man and revealed himself to him as the Savior. And the man believed in him and began to worship him. Jesus goes and looks for his sheep and searches them out and calls them by name and he reaches out to this man and he finds him and and it's a beautiful account we saw in chapter 9 and it illustrates greatly the work that God does in us as he draws us to himself and he reveals himself to us in his truth, the truth of his word. But those to whom Jesus was preaching, they didn't understand that. And so he begins making it explicitly clear to his listeners with verse 7. Look at verse 7 again. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, doesn't get any clearer than this, I am the door of the sheep. Remember I was telling you about the sheep and the shepherds and you didn't quite understand what I'm saying? I'm the door. You know the guy who is the gatekeeper? Now it's correct to see Jesus as the true shepherd, the good shepherd. In what Jesus was saying in the previous verses, those first few verses, one through five, it's, it's appropriate to see him as the, the true shepherd there. And we're going to see him call himself the good shepherd Again, very explicitly, he's going to say, I am the good shepherd when we get to verse 14. So I'm going to save that part of that explanation for that time. That'll be next week, Lord willing. But in verse 7, he says he is, do you see what he says he is in verse 7? He says, I am the door of the sheep. Now remember the imagery of the shepherd from earlier, of, of the one who keeps the sheepfold secure in a smaller sheepfold in a private sheepfold the shepherd would serve as the the doorkeeper the shepherd would be the door in a larger communal sheepfold where where several herds were brought together they would hire someone who would be the door and what happened when that doorkeeper was there that gatekeeper was there what happened no predators or thieves could get in or out without going over the doorkeeper and jesus says i'm i'm the door i'm the gatekeeper i'm the gate i'm the doorkeeper and the sheep can't wander off, and the bad guys can't sneak in unless they go over the wall. And then it's obvious, right, that they're thieves and robbers. And Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. And as the door of the sheep, there are some wonderful reminders for us of all that Jesus is. You, you, you ought to stop and just think about all that's true because Jesus is the door. Note that in verse 8, it's clear that there are imposters and Jesus guards the sheep from them. Listen, if you are Christ, if you are the Lord Jesus Christ and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, he has given you his spirit. You have God's spirit in you to help you know the truth, practice the truth, recognize false shepherds, Recognize lies that aren't in accord with God's word. Recognize things that aren't true according to the truths of scriptures. And the Lord Jesus Christ helps you in that, in that he has gone before you. And he intercedes before the Father on your account and prays for you. And he has given you his word and you have his spirit to help you. And he guards you from thieves and robbers 
if you will depend upon him, if you will get his word in you, you give, you give ammo, so to speak. You give resources, so to speak, to the Holy Spirit to use when you read the word. Do you realize that? When you get the word in, the Holy Spirit takes the word and helps you see the truth and understand the truth and practice the truth. Verse 8, Jesus says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. Jesus guards the sheep. Jesus guards his sheep. If you're one of the, the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ, you ought to be happy that you are. If you're God's child, you're one of Jesus' sheep. <laughs> because he's the good shepherd. And he guards you. Jesus guards you from imposter shepherds. They are thieves and robbers. The door of the sheep keeps them in the sheepfold. He protects them in the sheepfold. The sheep do not listen to the imposters. Jesus leads the sheep as the shepherd, as the door, and he keeps, think about it, he keeps you. Think about that truth. Think about how true, this wonderful truth of, of this fact that Jesus is the door. What does the door do? He keeps the sheep in. Not only does he keep the bad guys out, not only does he keep the false shepherds out, but he also keeps the sheep. He keeps them. Think about that. You are kept by Christ. You're not kept by your obedience. Do you realize that? Your obedience to God's Word, and you're walking in obedience to Christ and His Word, is a, is a sign that you are Christ's, right? That He is your good shepherd, and that you are His sheep. But it does not keep you. Jesus keeps you. What he has accomplished on the cross keeps you. Because he said, it's finished. He keeps you. The door of the sheep keeps the sheep in the sheepfold. And remember, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. They know him and they follow him. The sheep do not listen to the imposters. And Jesus leads the sheep as the shepherd and as the door. And he also keeps those who are his by the truth. Jesus keeps you. You are His. If you're, if you're God's child, if you have repented of sin, let me just make it really clear. If you have repented of sin and turned to Jesus Christ in faith, you are God's child. You are one of Jesus' sheep, and He keeps you. Who are these imposters? Think about those imposters that He guards us from. First note that Jesus is not suggesting here that Moses and the prophets are, are imposters. You might think that by the by the language. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. When he says all who came before me, he's not talking about the the prophets. He's not talking about Moses. But he is talking about those in their day and those who had come before them who are leading people away from the truth. That included the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and others who were who were circumventing the truth and repurposing the truth for their own often, more often than not, financial gain. That's who these imposters are. They included these Pharisees. They included other Jewish religious leaders. They had certainly no concern for the people, as they should have if they were really following God's word. They really didn't care for the concerns of the sheep. Jesus is also talking about anyone who teaches false doctrine. He's talking about anyone who comes along and subverts the truth who may have a measure of truth, who may speak some of the truth, but he changes it and uses it for his own gain, for his own purposes. Anyone who departs from biblical truth is a false shepherd. 
And Jesus' sheep will not be led astray by imposters. There's a beautiful picture of the security of every believer in Christ here. Do you see it? Do you hear it? You realize that? It's wonderful truth that you are secure in Christ. If you have repented of your sin and turned to Jesus Christ in faith, you are kept by Christ. And not only does the door of the sheep, the sheepfold, keep them secure, but the door is also the one who let them in. You realize that what you have in Christ is nothing you've earned? Jesus, the door, let you in. What he has accomplished, he accomplished for your sake. You have not accomplished anything on your own behalf. You have not earned his grace. You have not earned his mercy, and neither have I. Right? All our righteousness, right, is as what? It's as filthy rags in the sight of God. We can be really good in the world's, in the world's eyes before Christ, before faith in Christ. And all that good is actually just filthy rags because it's works done to please God without doing the one thing he tells us to do is believe in his son. But if you believe in his son, you believe in Jesus Christ because he's the door. He's the one who lets you into the sheepfold. He's the one who leads you into his sheepfold. So Jesus says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, and this is wonderful, isn't it? Look at this in verse 9. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Earlier in our passage, we saw here that Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. And later we're going to hear him say, I am the good shepherd. More on that next time. But, but as we look at verses 9 and 10, what a contrast is seen here between Christ, the door, and those who are false teachers. What a clear and sharp contrast. They are compared to the thief. By the door, the sheep are saved. They find safety. They are secure. They are cared for. They are therefore content. Do you see it in verses 9 and 10? They are content because the door keeps them and provides for them. That's what Jesus is to all who believe in him. You can only be content in Christ. You can only have true joy and true happiness. You know, everybody in this world wants true joy and true happiness, and everybody in this world is pursuing that in one way, shape, or form. But if it isn't sought through Jesus Christ, it will not be found. Because true contentment comes only through Christ, because Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved now and eternally. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. You know what? You know what that's talking about? It's talking about the contentment that's ours in Christ. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life. That's complete joy and peace and contentment in only in Christ. They will have life and have it how? Abundantly. Some of your translations say to the full, right? We come to verses 9 and 10. What a wonderful and amazing and stark contrast between Christ the door and those who are false teachers. They are the thief, the robber. But Jesus the door saves the sheep, keeps them safely, keeps them secure, cares for them, and therefore they are content. Contentment is only in Christ. But by those who 
only care for themselves, the thieves, the robbers, the false shepherds, those who only care for themselves by the, by the thief, what does Jesus say here? The sheep are what? They are killed. They are drawn away. They are, they are drawn away and killed by false shepherds. They only care for themselves, so they even kill and destroy the sheep spiritually for their own gain. And, and sadly, we look on in this world and we see people being drawn away by, by falsehoods. And we say, no, trust in Jesus. He is the way. He's the only way. He's the only door. And yet, though we may preach the truth and witness the truth and, and share the truth, there are still people who reject because why? We've seen it here in John's Gospel. Because they're blinded by sin. The darkness of sin has them captured. They don't see the truth. They don't hear the truth. Thieves, false shepherds, they kill and destroy sheep spiritually for their own gain, but not Jesus. Not Jesus. What a wonderful and powerful truth to all who believe in Christ that Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door. We are, think about it, we are secure in Christ. We are cared for in Christ. And as verse 10 indicates, this is the reason for which Jesus came. That those who believe in and trust in him find life, and this life is like none other for in Christ alone, we find life abundantly, right? We find true contentment, and that's only because only Jesus frees from the bondage and darkness and punishment of sin. You see, those who, who won't believe, those who reject Christ, are trapped in the darkness of sin, trapped to sin's punishment, the bondage of sin. So, so do you see how important it is that Jesus is the door? You see how important it is and how wonderful it is that Jesus is the door? The door to the sheepfold? Your whole spiritual life, your whole life, if you're a follower of Jesus, rests on Him being the door. Everything we believe, everything we hold to as believers in God's Word rests on Jesus being the door. In, in a sheepfold, right, there was only one proper way in. Jesus is the one proper way to eternal life. Jesus is the one proper way to forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the one way to salvation. And that's just why Jesus came, to save sinners. As the door, Jesus is the only way to forgiveness of sin. As Peter declares in Acts 10.43, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, Jesus Christ, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Not in anything that you've done or I've done, but through the name of Jesus, the door. As the door, Jesus is the only way of salvation, Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And as the door, Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Jesus is the door. How precious that truth is. Amen? Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for these powerful truths and this wonderful truth that Jesus is the door, that you, you made him the door. You sent him to save sinners. And by the door, we're saved. We're let in. We're kept. We're guarded. We're provided for, cared for. In Christ alone, we find true life. Father, I pray, help us to experience that life now as we yield before your word and before your spirit's work in us. Lord, help us to rejoice in that eternal life that's ours now that begins at the moment we believe in Jesus Christ. And though, yes, we still live here on earth and we face the hardships that face us here, we know that there will be a day when every tear is wiped away and every pain is gone and all the sorrow is gone because sin will be no more. Sin will have no more dominion over us because we'll then be like Christ. So Lord, help us to take great hope and encouragement in this wonderful truth that Jesus Christ is the door. And we're the sheep. And he cares for his own and protects us and guards us and guides us and leads us and help us to give you the glory with our obedience. Help us to honor and glorify you by telling the truth to others of the gospel that they might see him and know him themselves. God, encourage us today and strengthen us for the week ahead for your honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.